I like your shirt today. Do you? I had uh, shirt stress picking it out. I can imagine. <laughs> I'll go gentle on you today because I don't want you to cry. <laughs> Thank you. I like, I favour a granddad collar. I feel it suits my neck. I've noticed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this episode is about the difference between perception and reality of us yes. achieving things. That is sounds, that right? That's a lovely, because that, 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 it, it's relevant to everyone. Especially, including you yeah, and including absolutely. me. Everyone. Wait, have we started? Yeah, about okay, uh, okay, 16 minutes ago, Matt. Uh, <laughs> I did see the recording, but you <laughs> Lovely. So bring your A-game about Ready. now. Uh, <laughs> I'll maybe cut this bit and just put a little apology in for absent Matt. And then... <laughs> He's here! Oh, do you know what I'd really love to do is come up with drag queen names? Because a friend of mine... I know that's not very original, but a friend of mine and I, we often get together when we've got, when we're both creative people, uh, as in we have creative jobs. And when we just need like some brain space, we just, we like text each other and say, you free, not yet, you know, you free yet. And when we find out that little moment where we're both free, we spend 30 minutes coming up with made up business names. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Do you start with the name and then retrofit it? Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. So, uh, I came up with uh, Stitches for Snitches, which I thought would be a really good name for a bar, like a bit kind of rough and ready. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But then equally, I thought, and I even went to the Advertising Standards Agency. I have the most amazing email from the Advertising Standards Agency that I can't read on this public forum because (laughs) the language is so obscene in it. But I said, I really want a business called Fuck Me, Frank. Right. So I thought you said you couldn't read it. No, no. That when she came back and said, uh, and it said in the in the email subject line, it's something like uh, warning contains explicit. And so she's giving me examples and saying, you know, some words are socially unacceptable, like the c word, right. but spells it out. And I'm like, oh, oh, we're there. Okay. <laughs> um, what would fuck me, Frank, sell or produce or do? I don't know, and I don't really care because I just really like it. <laughs> Is it to do with frankfurters? Oh, could be. There you go. Could be. Oh, I don't know. That's a little sexual for food, though, isn't it? Probably not. Okay. I don't know if I would. No, I don't think we should encourage that. <laughs> um, that's a fast track to cystitis. Um, so, so anyway, so that's a fun thing we did, and then you just saying that made me think. Oh, right, that would be fun to come up with like drag queen names. Well, I already have one I came up with, which is mine. Should I ever? And it's the best one you will ever hear because it works on so many different levels. Obviously, now I've built it up, you'll be disappointed. It's Trish Fingers. Oh, (laughs) I like that. Thanks. I like that very much. Me too. So, beautiful thing. This is partly about being human, I guess. I don't know whether this will stay in. But so I have this kind of, and this opens a real can of worms because I am so. Uh, I don't know what the word is. So um, totally uh, understanding of humans that I don't care how you identify. Wonderful. I don't not care. Yes. But like it is a he, she, they, it, them just doesn't like Mm. it means nothing. Mm. But uh, fine. However, you can turn up 
a date in a dress, I wouldn't blink an eye twice. I'd be like, okay, that's you. And that's what I love about you. So, but I, so I'd love to do the drag queen thing, but I just, the whole drag queen in a beard thing is just, I'm like, ah, uh, cause the point is that they look great. But I mean, some of them look like the most phenomenally attractive women, right? Yes. So beard kind of is like, oh, well, does that ruin it? Does it not? What are your thoughts, uh, Trish? <laughs> um, it's Ms. Fingers to you. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, well, that was that's more of a traditional drag view. But over the last three or four years, um, that actually has really evolved quite dramatically to the point where uh, drag queens with a beard or chest hair on display uh, have been on in prominent drag shows and on TV as well. And then I guess the pinnacle, even though like I'm sure you've seen RuPaul's Drag Race isn't, it's the most, it's the most visible version of drag. And this season in America has a trans man on it, which is so incredible that a signed female at birth, realized not him, has transitioned fully, uh, now dresses up as a woman which I just love how messed up and how it messes with your concept of what gender is and what we have to be. And that was another yes. thing. Um, he raised an amazing point that people, when they transition, are still held to traditional standards of beauty. So trans men are supposed yeah. to have to be super masculine, like beardy, butchy, chopped down trees, and trans women are meant to be, oh, super feminine and light and all of that yeah, guff. Yeah. And he isn't. In his, where well, he's called Cade, um, when he's not as a drag queen, and he's super femme and soft, but he is a trans man. And it just, there's never been really anyone with such a platform like him. And it's so incredible, wonder, incredibly wonderful. He's called Got Mick and, as a drag queen. And Got Mick is the most incredible, versatile, stunning, artistic, funny, incredible performer as part of this whole character. It's, I just cool. obsessed, obsessed. I love that though, because that sort of ties in with, I guess, unintentionally what we wanted to talk about this yes. month which is this idea of who you are and who you identify with so one of um somebody texted me recently the picture of now hang on i'll have to <clears throat> look at my phone to get the context of this otherwise it's going to be confusing for people listening but um because i'm terrible with famous people i'm <laughs> like i've lots of well-known friends and because i've got lots of well-known friends i don't really do the whole celebrity thing i just don't identify with it oh i thought um, i thought you meant you were a stalker i'm terrible with famous Whoa. people <laughs> well i mean you'd have to ask them that I suppose. <laughs> we've all seen the bodyguard <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know i don't need any of this you know if i make you breakfast in the morning i don't need any of this how did you get in my house business? <laughs> um, a simple thank you will do exactly right <laughs> So um, this person on TV sure. uh, was in a dress. Hang on. Here it is. Is it Kid Cuddy? Yes, it is. Kid Cuddy. That's it. So I had no idea who Kid Cuddy was, right? Um, so somebody I know texts me and says, with a picture of it, what do you think of this? And I said, what do I think of what? The dress, the pattern, the cut, a man in a dress? Yep. What do I think about what? And the question was, what do you think about a straight man dressing up in a dress? And I said, I think the bigger question is, look at the hideous dress. <laughs> if you're going to pick a dress, you know, at least pick a nice one. However, um, they kind of raised a really interesting point that uh, they were offended by it because oh. this is a straight guy that gets praised ah. uh, for 
being in a dress, but if you were femme or unsure or gender fluid or a man that kind of identified with having a she part of your uh, uh, gender uh, personality, then you, if you were to walk down the street or turn up at an event in a dress, you might be mocked, ridiculed. I'm going to say might be, highly likely to be, mm. based on experience. Mm. Um, a friend of mine wore a dress, had been out recently, and he wore a dress and tried to get a cab home, and the cab guy called him a weird pufter and uh, refused to pick him up, right? So it's, it's real. Right. Yeah. Um, however, my point was, a man in a dress on TV is a great thing to see because the more we see that, the more normal that becomes. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing broader is, of course, both of those things I'm talking about are, with, are devoid of emotion because mm. that straight guy wearing a dress has no emotional context or emotional connection to the dress or to the feminine thing that he's doing. No. It could be, I don't know, art, fashion, a political statement, whatever, yeah. but it doesn't mean anything. Um, in the same way that, you know, if you don't care for cats and you see a dead cat on the road, you might go, oh, that's a shame it's a dead cat. But if you loved cats and saw a dead cat on the road, it would like ruin your week or something, mm. you know. So the emotional context is different for everybody. Yeah. If, if you struggle with or have a conflict of gender or feel passionately or understand whatever your current relationship is with gender, but you have that male and female relationship with your own gender identity, mm that's not an easy journey for you in the current social context that we have of this slightly heteronormative social society that we live in. And so it's a very different relationship for a guy wearing a dress, right? Because for you, it's, it, it can be a painful thing for you to express who you really are. Like, you know, does that sort of make sense? Uh, absolutely. But I think, and I think you're right. The key thing there is visibility um, of anything, but equally it still makes me sad that, uh, people go oh there's a man in a dress like oh i saw women in trousers yesterday the horror like it's it's clothing it's it's all as you say that emotion and that meaning that we as humans and sometimes terrible humans infuse into what that means there and then and there will be people who will have seen kid cuddy's performance uh and gone oh he's gay or he's uh (laughs) trans he's trans now or whatever like people see a snapshot and take from that because everyone has that lens they see through. So they have of their own experience. So using everything they've learned up to this point, when they saw that, saw him perform, that was what they'll use to interpret it. Um, some people can be a bit more, Oh, there could be lots of meanings to this. Other people are a bit more black and white, but ultimately I, I get what you're saying and what your friend said about, Oh, it's just performative. He put on a dress to either for whatever, to sell records or get talked about versus a, a regular in inverted commas guy or whoever walking down the street who wasn't expected to wear a dress might get as you said as your friend got shouted out or not picked up in a cab because that hasn't been normalized sufficiently so there there are, i mean there are pros and cons to both yes visibility for any minority or anything different is good if it's good different you know what i mean like there are some things you don't need not everything needs visibility <laughs> but um yeah, uh, straight guys getting applauded for doing the bare minimum. Like, but equally, we want allies. I don't. Sure. I don't want him to be 
And to, to be honest, I know nothing about that's the story of why he wore the dress other than, oh, I see people were talking about it. So whether it was a statement, whether he was doing it in support of, whether he's saying he's a trans ally, like, I don't know. Sure. Um, I think it can only be a positive thing in as much that it, it, it <clears throat> encourages conversations like this, because there'll be people listening or watching that understandably um, don't know what to do with that information. Yes. That doesn't necessarily make them prejudiced, no. but we carry with us who we are is formed because of all the people in our lives we've met and been influenced mm. by the history that we stand on um, and the subtle social norms, you know, with, with this wonderful conversation that's happening now about um, sort of subtle and subconscious racism, mm -hmm. people being racist without them even really knowing that they're being racist or understanding how or why. Mm -hmm. For me, that's okay. Like it, the, the racism's not okay, but the, the fact that they don't know is okay because it encourages the conversation to make people think differently and look at yourself. I think we can be much better as a species and better humans by not just accepting our lot, not just saying, well, here I am, this is me, yeah. but being able to challenge yourself and think, oh, why do I think that? Why is that my opinion? Mm -hmm. or, or is there an alternative that opinion that I'd be equally quite happy or comfortable with? Which is how I think I've got to this place in my life where I, I just don't care. Like, like you could turn up. I, so years ago, <clears throat> I had a cocktail bar as a business. And one of the guys we employed was covered literally head to toe in tattoos. He had piercings everywhere. And the very, I was very young. Um, and the very first time I met him, I was genuinely like my initial instinct was, oh, no, I'm going to die. This is how I die. Interviewing somebody for a job in a cocktail bar. <laughs> and he was the most gentle soul you would ever meet. He had the most incredible customer service, the most amazing purely on an almost academic level his expression of life and what he enjoyed was through artwork on his skin mm -hmm. and and piercings every single tattoo had a story a meaning behind it every piercing there was a reason something that happened um his piercings were particularly incredible every single piercing he had um he had many uh, was uh, he did. He had the piercing done as a result of something emotionally painful in his life wow. to remind him of the fact that he'd pulled through it. Isn't that just it? And suddenly you're like, wow, now I want to see all of them. I mean, he told me where some of them were and you didn't want to see all of them. <laughs> but but um, it was, you know, it's a really interesting thing that you, you sort of self-check yourself. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you're brought up that that's what the thugs and the bad people look like. OK, kid, yeah. you be careful. You stay away from the dark alleys and the people in the leather jackets yeah. and the bars through the nose uh, and stay on this wholesome path over here, boy. You'll be fine. Uh, and you realize that, you know, the wholesome path that I remember my. I have to be very careful what I say, but um, <clears throat> let's just say that there's <clears throat> somebody I know that was raised in a very religious household okay. Um who, when they were young, was um, beaten with a, you know, hand and a belt for doing something wrong uh, or not getting up in time or being late for church. Mm. So, you know, ev everything has context, right? Um, so um, I think the idea of questions like this, of us being able to ask and challenge ourselves in a non-aggressive way, Matt, 
and just having this conversation is just lovely, isn't it? Very much so. Equally to play devil's avocado, um, (laughs) we are... That's... You mean advocate. Do I... Advocate. (laughs) I do love advocate. It's one of my (laughs) favourite irregular drinks. Um, (laughs) Equally, we are sitting here in a very privileged position. Aren't we just? Okay, yes, we're a minority of we are homosexuals. Uh, Sorry, spoiler alert. Uh, but, and white. But that's the one thing that makes us a minority. Everything else about us, like the colour of our skin, the, fa- ah. the fact that we've done pretty well, we've, hey, well, or even just to dial it back, we've got a roof over our, health, our head. We've got a good camera that I'm connecting with you. We've got internet. All of these things are... Headphones. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Multiple pairs of. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> um, which does which you're right allows us to have this conversation and then on the other hand there's a, I, I think more and more there's a responsibility on us to do what we can to to a continue to bring this conversation out wider like we're doing now but to raise and lift up and to question our own privilege and um unconscious bias that we have an unconscious advantage like the, the just the color of our skin saves us in so many situations like mm-hmm. more and more that and obviously that erupted last summer, finally brought to the forefront. Um, and, you know, oh, do, do you know, what I really hate the weaponization of the word woke when people are trying to usually people who don't want things to change are they use it like in, in the old version of, oh, it's political correctness gone mad. That's exactly the same, i.e., oh, I can't say the same old crap that I used to say and get away with and people would laugh. Now I'm being challenged. And that's one of the greatest uh, ways to put this that I heard was when you're used to privilege, equality feels like oppression. So, of course, as with these conversations come out, as trans people get greater and greater platforming, not because they're here to force people to transition who wouldn't anyway, but just to remind people that they're just part of life, yeah, as sure. are all minorities. Um, and it makes people, makes the old guard uncomfortable because it's the, the old traditional hierarchies are being usurped and unsettled, and quite right too. It's kind of a bit like somebody um, belittling Anne Frank's oppression, isn't it? It's kind of like mm. saying, you know, belittling A, that she was Jewish, B, that she lost all of her family, C, that she had to hide in a cupboard. <clears throat> you know, it's mm. sort of, it, you know, just, just because you can do something. It doesn't mean to say it's okay. Yeah. I mean, like it, it does make me smile when people argue about the fact that, oh, we can't say anything anymore. Or, you know, uh, I saw recently uh, a discussion in a Facebook group. <laughs> it was horrific with somebody who had a degree of responsibility and power for this organization who asked uh, the question. It was something like, um, you know, is racism always a bad thing? <laughs> sorry you know if if it's if it's fun racism that's okay isn't it you know i mean it was (laughs) it was amazing um somebody tweeted it like really publicly as well Uh, and i thought you don't get it do you You just don't um you know is you know is is homicide always a bad thing you know i mean you know is the persecution of all jewish people always a bad thing you know are you just like what beggars belief doesn't it we are at the very core human and i think always 
when I'm challenged by something that I don't understand. I can't remember, we didn't say this last time, but <clears throat> it's not my, I, I don't know who to credit this to. Mm. But the, the sort of thinking or the phrase goes something like, uh, it's an old sort of psychology um, foundation tenet that the things that we don't know enough about, so where we lack knowledge, mm. we grow to fear. Yeah, we grow to fear. Um, no, we grow to dislike. Okay. Uh, the things that we grow to dislike, we grow to fear. Mm. Uh, and the things that we grow to fear, we grow to hate. Mm. Um, and there's this sort of gradual progression <clears throat> that all stems from not asking enough questions mm. in the first place. So certainly for me, when I'm challenged by that, when I feel myself challenged, like if somebody, I remember the very first time somebody described themselves as uh, gender fluid. Right. And I said, I don't, I don't really understand that. And I said to this guy, what does gender fluid mean for you? Because I'm guessing it means different things for different people, but I, I can't identify with that because I don't have enough information about it. Mm. Uh, and they explained it all to me. And I was like, oh, well, then I've got nothing to fear, worry about or confuse myself about because that like, makes perfect sense mm. if that's real for you because it's a real struggle. So my head always goes to what must that person be experiencing mm. And what is the global distress right now for them where they have had to find a safe haven in order to live their life? Mm. And what does that look like in terms of scoping that out? And that might not relate to me, but it doesn't mean to say that it doesn't exist. Mm. Um, it's real for them, right? Because most of these things are driven from pain or loss or confusion mm. of not being able to fit in. And my immediate thing is sympathy. And I think how horrific that must be to not feel like you belong in life. Because um, I think to a degree, and I'm very careful about how I use this, I think to a degree, everybody in a minority group, and it's something I can relate to to an extent, you know, pre-coming out, mm. was absolutely in that space of this doesn't feel right for me, I can't fit in here, mm. what am I experiencing? That kind of moment of challenge. Does that kind of make sense? It does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And... <clears throat> I think all of us just want to belong. Um, sure. It's just that some people's way of belonging was by oppressing other people's, and that's gone on mm. for too long. Some people's yeah. way of finding their tribe and their, their, what they do and how they live and operate came at a cost, which of, yeah, oppression and... and um, not allowing again out of unknown and fear and and, and hatred uh, any phobia essentially um but that's been taught to us we've seen that play out on global stages you know hitler and his regime and pol pot and I mean, any any yeah. dictator who has caused oppression to another group of people en masse mm. has given the world an example of being able to succeed by oppressing somebody else yeah and even subconsciously that plays out as a role model of of a degree mm. and and the thing is that it's never how people think it's going to be it's never it's never armies rolling in in tanks to take over it's sure. creeping pervasive insidious uh undermining of minorities and groups to make the larger majority fear them and that's that is why i'm such 
such a vocal trans ally because the language and rhetoric used against trans people now is exactly the same as was used against gay people over the last 50 years. Oh, they'll come in your bathrooms. Oh, they're predators. Oh, they're here to, uh, they're here to, to, to rape and molest and like be awful to you. Sure. And the, 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 gr- the best counterpoint, well, one of the best counterpoints I heard to that recently, just to put it in context is if your fear is that straight men will identify as women to be able to use female bathrooms, then you're not worried about trans women. You're worried about straight men, of course, who make up the majority of the people who do the killing and the murdering and the awfulness. We have to look at this lovely little transition today of um, the difference between the uh, reality of doing something and the perception of why we want to do it, right? Um, This came up in a conversation yesterday between us. Mm. And the outcome as well, the the, uh, discrepancy between how we think it should go and how it actually goes and how that can undermine us as well if we're not prepared. Now, I'm going to start you off on this because I know you've got a little bit of a bee in your uh, boily bonnet. Um, (laughs) About... Um, some of the ways that, as a fitness uh, expert, some of the ways that people uh, portray the successes that you can have and why you should go on a certain journey with, for example, getting fit. But what I would say is that we should caution anybody listening that just like the conversation we've just had doesn't need to be just about gender or sexuality. The idea of two people having conflicting opinions about something or identifying with a particular um, situation is beautiful and wonderful and should be embraced. But the void in the middle can be an area of exploration and an opportunity to come together, or it can be no man's land where people fight and have war. And I think the difference is, you know, you just have to decide what you want to do with that middle bit. And I think this whole project is about encouraging people to come together more about saying, okay, you believe A, I believe B. That's a beautiful thing. It doesn't mean to say we can't be friends. It doesn't mean to say you can carry on believing in A and I'll carry on believing in B and we'll, we don't even have to meet in the middle. We can just still exist together and, and that's okay. Understanding, um, I was reminded, I had a CD that I found in a drawer the other day. This is a very long-winded introduction. Sorry, Matt. CD? <clears throat> yes. I know, right? Several years ago, I went to a funeral of um, a teacher of mine at school and at the end, they gave everybody a copy of a CD with songs that he'd chosen to sort of reflect his life and the end of his life journey. He's got a picture of him and his signature on the inside. It's just beautiful. And I got it out because I wanted to download all of them onto my um, uh, phone. And Jeremy Davis, it was his name, uh, was uh, monumental in creating a sort of pastoral feel of our school that we went to. And his sort of signature motto was dignity, love, respect. That those three things should be the core of, and I've absolutely adopted that. Everything I do, I want to, kind of the, to be an essence of those three things. Um, so my point is <laughs> yes. that when you're now just about to talk a lot about fitness and this kind of fitness trajectory that is being pushed and manipulated and marketed, it doesn't have to be about fitness. It's about any long-term goal that you have, uh, have created for yourself uh, was what I just wanted to make that point before we start talking about other stuff that people get this far and think, oh, this is all about sexuality and fitness. That doesn't relate to me. Um, but mm. it's the the reason of what we're talking about, right? That's more relevant. Uh, very much so. And and also I'd like to temper that with whatever gets people moving is a good thing. Sure. So that is straight back to fitness. But 
because not necessarily like because you might not brand it as fitness but you might you know go yeah you're a right. walk you might think is not about fitness it's about clearing your head or well, just moving well-being yeah yeah so i guess the the pinnacle or the nadir of that sort of stuff is get beach body ready in eight weeks or whatever yeah. and there's so many so much crap layered into that like a, you've got a. It sets it up that there's a time period when this will definitely happen. Whatever. B, like already it says you're not good enough. Yeah, as you are. Uh, yeah, exactly. And and actually, re only recently I saw and there, there are a plethora of these guys on the Twitter who are ripped, saying, "Oh, getting out of quarantine, got to work on my summer body." And I almost don't want to dive into that because it's been. Uh, dissected before um and if and he may well have body dysmorphia and he truly is unable to see that he has nine percent body fat but part of me is he has four hundred thousand followers and he's and they're all like yeah oh god yeah me too oh yeah and just that again it's that insidious pervasive you're not good enough sure. to quite a significant chunk of potentially susceptible people uh -huh. so that but but at the same time, if his thing to got someone off the couch and they started doing a bit of fitness and started their own journey, like there are worse things in the world, for example, than that. There are, but I mean, I guess your point is interesting. I remember Fred Rogers. I'm a massive fan of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Um, that most people in the UK will have no idea what it is. But when I was working out in the states, I used to watch it every single morning, and <clears throat> and he had such a profound effect on the way that I think about things um he was a steeplejack wasn't he a steeplejack no it was fred dibner <laughs> <laughs> topical reference oh totally from the that. 80s yeah um uh, you have to remember matt you're significantly older than i am so a lot of the <laughs> <laughs> won't land um so uh, he said as part of a longer phrase but ultimately the bit that's really important is i like you just the way you are and he used to sign, uh, it was for kids, and he used to sign off every week um, saying, you know, you, you're important because of what you bring every single day, and I like you just the way you are. Um, now, I guess this is the point, is that while you quite rightly say, well, you know, you, maybe there's a benefit to it, and they might, it might prompt you to get up and moving, and that's not a bad thing. It also does put that little, the, the psychological drive, the reason that you're doing it is the more important yeah. thing. And that doesn't seem to be the focus. It is literally mm -hmm. just, here's a short period of time that you've got to commit to. And here's this amazing goal that you're going to edge towards. Um, mm -hmm. And we can put it in context. You know, it's when I was saying to you, I might I quite like, I've seen this uh, six weeks to get a six pack thing. And it wasn't about getting the six pack for me. There was a very clear reason. I wanted to see it. So there's an achievable goal that's clear. Everybody knows what that is, what it looks yeah. like. And here's this period of time. Let me go on that journey and see whether I get to that point. And that's more interesting to me is do I or do I like I don't I'm not bothered about the six pack, but do I or do I not get to that point and then dissect it and work out why not? Um, yeah. But the, the starting point is the most important bit, isn't it? Is why are you doing this? Because that might not yeah. be the right journey for you to go on or the right destination to aim for. No. And then the 
it, it almost certainly won't won't be as sustainable because you're making that validation external. Yes, you're putting the approval and the success. Well, sorry, going back to the more less so your thing, but more the guy on Twitter. Yeah. You're, if you start because you think you need a summer body, that puts your validation and your approval and your success in everyone else's hands apart from your own. Sure. Um, and you'll never be happy. I know that's quite a bold black and white statement, but if you only ever seek validation externally, you will never truly get it and you'll never truly be happy. Yeah. But, no, but, you but you're right, because validation, self-validation comes from within. It's about, <clears throat> and, and that's a much bigger journey, which is, I think... The point here is that the easy journey is always what can I buy or how much can I give someone else to do the work for me that, you know, fit, um, yeah. uh, weight loss tablets, uh, yep. uh, spray tans, whatever, the instant Buzzing things, the pulse on your yes. six pack. Oh, the tens machine. <laughs> the Christian, you see, and that's the thing, like unscrupulous celebrities like Christian Ronaldo who advertises that and doubtless was paid, I don't know, 10 million to flog those machines that pulse your abs 200 times a minute. Like that isn't helping anyone. I I refuse to believe that that has a positive beneficial effect impact on the world other than, and than on his bank balance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because of course, I think, so what happens when you've got the six pack? Does that suddenly cure your yeah. lack of self-validation internally? That is that is exactly the point, and that's the point. That's the question I ask people and my clients more and more. Okay, brilliant. What would it? What can you? What would you be able to do when you've got a six-pack that you can't do now? Yes. Yeah. And people can't answer that. Yeah. Well, because it's driven by because it's entirely visual. So you can mm. have a strong core without having the definition of a six-pack, right? Um, Very much. So. And the core is only. You know, having just a strong core, I'm sort of, I might be wrong. So jump in and tell me if this is going on. But my my zero qualified, zero knowledge <laughs> understanding of no, no, keep going. anatomy keep and physiology digging. is, keep digging. Um, there is zero point in having just a, a strong core because the core is there to work with upper body strength or lower body strength or like you're not going to be, you need other strength to support the core strength does that sort of make sense so you'll have a, a better posture i suppose is all you'll get <laughs> absolutely um I, I was on one of my very first days in personal trader school 800 years ago <laughs> i i heard a great thing from a very wise elderly elder of the profession um who said people with someone else was asking about a strong core and why it was good and he said okay you need a strong core because you can't fire a cannon from a canoe. And I was like, whoa, so wise, sensei. Um, Why is it that all the wise things are really difficult to understand? Because, so imagine a cannon in a canoe. It would just push down into the water and the ball wouldn't come out of the cannon. Yes. Why why have you put a cannon on a canoe? (laughs) I think you're missing the point. Oh, am I? Okay. (laughs) But tell you what, we'll film it for next episode. (laughs) You're like the new tomorrow's world. <laughs> I, I'm sensing that I'm going to be the one in the canoe, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're Judith Han. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll be Maggie Philbin. Um, <laughs> the strong core connects your upper and lower body and allows you to do things more, better, faster, quicker. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, the, you, your point <clears throat> is that you get the six pack, but 
what you're hoping you're still sad people yeah well exactly that you're hoping that people will you'll have a place a to show it off uh b that you'll get the validation um see that what that validation brings what a sense of self-worth or self-value uh self-esteem acceptance to a club yeah 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 absolutely physically and metaphorically and none of that is sustained because you you get it it's like buying something you know it's like shopping for something because you feel you need that in your life to fulfill a void you buy that and you realize it doesn't fulfill the void you have to buy something else and buy something else and keep doing it subconsciously so you get your six pack and then what you're you're right you know yeah. you haven't addressed the real reason why you want to do it which is possibly that you have un- core unmet needs in your life or detachment issues or i don't know low self esteem or low self worth which is even worse than self esteem you know esteem is we, we i don't think we explained this last time but it's a really important thing for any human being to understand that self worth and self esteem are not interchangeable self esteem is based on other people's impression of you um, or their validation of you. So you're doing really well, Matt. Uh, you look great, Matt. That's all self-esteem because I'm giving you that. But self-worth mm-hmm. comes from within. And, and that's the bit that you have complete control over. Self-esteem, you don't have any control over because you're relying on other people to add laudits onto you. You know, and So yeah. self-worth is much more powerful. And a six-pack isn't going to do that, right? No. And again, massive caveat. If you want a six pack, please work as hard as you want to get one. Sure. But don't ladle in, I don't know what he'd be ladling, ladle in extra belief. And if it turns out there are some people who only accept you when you have a six pack, they're awful people who won't hang around sure. because if they're that fickle. And I think, as I don't believe that actually is a real thing. So occasionally you see people post screenshots of mean conversations on Grinder or whatever but saying, oh no, you're too fat or you're too fam or anything like that. But they're just, they have their own issues yeah. and they are not a club you want to be accepted to. Sure, sure. Um, and to your uh, self-esteem and self-worth, that was, I heard that described as it's human being versus human doing. Huh, yeah. And the human doing is the one who you get praised for things you do. And there's nothing inherently wrong with it, but up, unless you you build your self worth solely on things you've done, Reliance. and that that's yeah. like when well yeah like when you're at school you learn you get praise if you do things well and if you don't you don't progress and you have to do them again and you're not a good person or you're not as good sure. and that's the we internalize that I must do things but when you bring it into I believe in myself then you're the human being a good person living your life how you want to and that's you're absolutely right those two different ways of looking at it and I guess that's transferable right this is the the thing that I love about this exploration of what it means to be human is that if you set yourself a goal, <clears throat> that makes you feel quite powerful because you've uh, you've achieved something in itself that you've got yourself mm-hmm. a goal to aim towards. And, and we're very goal driven as a species. The goals are extremely powerful, very, very useful. Uh, as long as they're clear, considered, they have an objective timeline, uh, a, a mm-hmm. deadline, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, and you might then give yourself, you know, a timeline as well. So I'm going to six weeks and I break it down. Week one, I'll do this. Week two, week three, whatever. That's cool. But then I think the real work happens because you, you need to get that out of your system because that's the thing that's in the back of your mind going, oh, I really want to do this thing. And this is how I'm going to do it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I liken it sometimes to decorating. So you sit down in your living room and you can see 
exactly how this room is going to look. You pick the cushions, you know the curtains you're going to go for, the color, you've got the pharaoh and ball things circled, you've got the little number copied so you can go to B&Q and get it done a lot cheaper. Um, you've got, <laughs> don't think that it happens, doesn't it? Come on. Um, so There goes the sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> With pharaoh and ball, yeah. <laughs> um, so you, you've in your head, you can see it exactly how you want this space. You've got it. You think, I've got some time off next Saturday. Uh, I'll do it in the evenings. It's all there. What you haven't worked out is that you've got to take everything out the room and then cover everything with dust sheets and then mask everything and then sand everything down and then, you know, do that, that washy stuff, the yellow stuff, sugar soap or whatever it is. Um, it is a hell of a lot more stuff to get to before you can even start. But there's no point doing that without getting that excitement out of your brain and, you know, the sort of stuff that clouds your vision. And so when you've worked out where, what you want to do, whatever your goal is, whatever your objection in, in life, and it might be objective, sorry, you know, it could be to do with literally anything, spiritual, financial, emotional, relationship, whatever. The third part of that journey is why am I doing it, I think, which is the sitting down and just with a cup of tea and a biscuit or whatever, or just on your own or just losing yourself on your commute and thinking, okay, what is the reason that I'm doing this? What's the where do I want to be? How do I, how differently do I want to feel at the end of this? And as a behaviorist, we call that terminal behavior. So what's the end result that you're looking for? But the behavior bit's really important, right? Because what is it going to give you? What's going to offer you? What's going to drive you? Because it might not be that you need to decorate your lounge. It might not be that you need to ditch your relationship. It might not be that you need a, a cat. You know, there might be something else <laughs> that once you understand why, what this core unmet need is, it might be attainable or achievable somewhere else. And we don't, I think, from what I've seen in my experience, both in business and with individuals, and in my own crisis in life, I've written very publicly about existential crises and things I've been through. Um, mm. We don't have access to that knowledge or that experience nearly enough. It's almost like we're frightened of it. What well, you've... I think you've just answered the question I was just about to ask you, um, which is then why are so many people afraid or reticent at making actual goals? Because you just said, and you're right, goals can be very powerful, especially if they're the sort of the smart ones and you do have more of a framework for them. But so many people don't mm -hmm. have goals and I wanted to ask you, I've got some theories on that, but I wanted to ask, throw that little nugget your way. See if you wanted to gnaw on it for a minute or two. Gnaw on it. <laughs> That's with a G. Oh, well, uh, why don't people have goals was the thing you wanted. What, yeah, what, why do people have goals, but what, what's stopping them setting it? Why don't they set goals? Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think fear is... Fear assumes a conscious understanding of the thing that you're about to engage in or, you know, and also presumes knowledge <clears throat> because you mm. can't fear something if you don't know anything about it. As, you can show a scary mask to a baby and they don't react because uh, they've mm. no context for that. It's just a face. It's just features. Um, yep. But as soon as we have context that when it's a bit like Jaws, you know, the music to Jaws, the do dum do dum the cello. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't have context unless you understand that that slow, uh, repetitive yeah. noise comes with fear or drama or tension or whatever. 
Um, so, you know, it's like you can be watching a film. If you don't like, I hate horror. I hate anything scary, anything that ruins my happiness equilibrium. I hate um, that. Was it 13 years a slave, 12 years a slave? Which one was it? How long was he a slave for? 12. Well, thanks. Um, probably felt like 13. Um, so 12 years a slave. I, could, I watched about 20 minutes and I was just like, do you know what? The, 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 the racism, which I cannot, I just cannot stand other people being in any way horrible to other human beings it, it, it really 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 distresses me I just couldn't watch it um but my point is it's say you don't like horror films and you're watching the tv and that music starts straight away oh no 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 I, I won't I won't like this can we turn it over oh it sounds creepy or you know straight away so that that context is really important so without that context um it's driven by not that very point, the fact that you don't have the understanding of why a goal is important or why it's not important, and you don't have a clear understanding of why you're doing something. Because with a clear understanding, it, it creates a sense of purpose and drive, and therefore with that, a desire to plan that out and you know have this very structured goal, um, which of course in turn presumes that you have an understanding of the difference between where you are right now and where you want to be. Uh, and those two things are critically important as well. They sound so simple. There's a third bit to that. Um, I used to run work. You remember when we used to see people physically? Um, mm, it rings a bell. Yeah, no, Google it, Google it. Um, but, but I used to run whole day workshops on three letters. That was kind of my... Um, the BLT. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I would sit in front of 300 people and say, this, over the next six hours, we're going to explore three letters. Um, uh, one is A, one is B, and one is C. Uh, so where are we now? Where do we want to be? And what's the difference? So what's the consequence um, of going from where you are to where you want to be? And how does that whole journey map out and look for us? So I think without that, you don't know that you need a goal. Well, people have learn to believe that they don't deserve of course anything sure they they don't they should be happy with their lot i hear that a lot from clients hang on um, i'm gonna stop you there two seconds you get that a lot from clients who are and i'm gonna put this out there white and middle class and english Yes, correct. <laughs> Mystic Meg, carry on. No, you carry on. <laughs> uh, actually, not always middle class. Some had, and I hate the use of those class terms, but it obviously gives some kind of, you can, you can sort of conjure up. Some had from working class, lower income yep. families that, oh, like, oh, it's good enough for us. Uh, we didn't go to university. Why should you? Like from the parents. Uh -huh. okay. And it's good enough for us. We didn't go to university. We're happy. Look at this. Yes. You don't need to. Yes. Like that fear that someone doing something different to what they did, they'll lose them because they'll become a different person, which is unfounded. Goes right back to what we were saying at the family. beginning, though, Matt. Sorry to interrupt. That fear no. of somebody doing something different to your own sphere of comfort, which is why a man yes. wearing a dress is such a, a poignant thing because it's got nothing to do with the man in the dress. It's about the fact that it pushes you into an area of absolute discomfort in your own comfort zones because it shakes everything yes. you believe to be true because you have such a narrow understanding of what is true or possible. Yes. Yes. Brilliant. Podcast success completed. <laughs> it's a short one this month, folks. We'll see you again <laughs> next month. <laughs>
We've answered that. Uh, yes, brilliant. That is a, absolutely. But then it just is sad that the parents and the generation before inherited that we don't, we don't, when we won't wish for anything greater than our loss. Sure. This is what, this has been fine for us. So it's going to be fine for you and fine for you and fine for you. Um, I, I think, I guess the internet and seeing the world and realizing there are so many more opportunities has allowed people to start stepping out of what's expected of them. And that again, yeah, that whole links to expectations and who you should be and who you want to be and the discrepancy and will you upset people or lose people and, I mean, it's, it sends your moral compass spinning. But, but it, yes, it does. But that's okay. It doesn't mean to say it shouldn't be a conversation that we don't have. We don't have more regularly and we don't open ourselves to, right? It's the, Agreed. I, I just think it's, it's okay to not feel okay. And if you mm. say, well, you know, I don't want to feel okay. I want to, because of probably almost certainly, uh, well, almost likely some sort of childhood trauma, but sometimes PTSD, and these are generalized terms, but I'm going on statistically correct um, behavioral and psychological therapeutic models. Um, mm. You would not want to feel uncomfortable <clears throat> or would not want to feel outside of your comfort zones. You don't want that disrupted because that normally has a negative connotation. Um, then uh, I think the wider conversation just has to be about maybe understanding or a global sense of understanding so that, you don't have to, doesn't have to impact your own comfort zones. That's okay. If you don't want to go on that journey or understand it's fine, but just a realization that someone else has a different comfort zone, a different objective, a different way of doing something is absolutely fine. Um, Fred Rogers has a lovely phrase um, that I believe isn't his. He used to have in his wallet, a piece of paper folded up with a phrase written by somebody else. And to paraphrase the phrase, because I have the book now, it's in the other room. It says, it is something along the lines of, there is no one you cannot learn to love when you know their story. Oh, Isn't it wonderful? And you think, yeah, I kind of get that. You know, it's like I became very interested. It's a very, very difficult thing to talk about, but very briefly, because I think this, you know, we are human and this podcast has to touch on everything that it is to be human. I don't think we can gloss over anything. I think it's fundamentally unfair and uh, patronizing. I became very interested in um, the psychology of and uh, current research into paedophilia about five years ago, because it was the most random piece of research I just suddenly came across. I was like, what the hell? Uh, and it was understanding paedophilia. And, and the, I, so the current understanding of psychologists and neuroscientists and other people studying this is that paedophilia um, begins with uh, at birth um, caused by damage in vitro by drinking, smoking, etc., by the mother. Um, and it creates a, a, a distortion, a problem, like a literal hard wiring in your brain um, because they've seen that in uh, anyway, I'm not going to touch into this too much. That's not what I want this to be about. But, but my point is that if you punish a paedophile by sending them to prison, because they have a, a genetic or a, a biological condition, it's the equivalent of punishing a diabetic in prison. You know, it's not going to, they're not going to get any better. Um, mm -hmm. And then when you look at statistically, those people who commit sex crimes, um, particularly paedophilia, a very high percentage, we're talking high 70 plus 
were subject to sex crimes as a child themselves. So at no point oh. am I saying that paedophilia is right, understandable, acceptable. Of course I'm not. What I'm saying is it's very interesting when you track it back that that person mm. is playing out things that happened to them when they were younger. And that mm. suddenly becomes a very a much bigger story rather than just throwing stones at somebody and saying, you know, you're not, that's not right, or you did that wrong. And you don't have to mm. agree with anything they did. But understanding, I think, brings us closer to dignity, love and respect. Uh, yes. And with any, uh, any sort of abuse stories, it, that comes back to the, the saying, hurt people, hurt people. Sure. But when I didn't know that about the research about people, them having in vitro issues from parents who, who smoke and drink, for example, when, they, when you then layer in and I guess brain damage of a certain exactly that. form. Um, it, God, I, I don't know what to do with that information. Right. But, but you um, don't have to, that's okay. And I didn't want this to this yeah, yeah. be, a, because it's such an emotive subject and a divisive mm. subject. I mean, that really is boundaries of getting people to be more understanding, right? Um, but, yeah, yeah. but my point is, that is a very interesting, one of the challenges that they write about in the research is that this is possibly something, the, their concern is it's possibly something we may never understand despite the fact it being such a significant problem for our species, it's much bigger than people think it is. Um, oh God. And the problem is society's utter, um, um, our ability to shut that out and not want to talk about it, not want to know about mm. it, to just punish them and put them away and forget about it because it's so heinous, mm. means that getting funding to do research is so difficult because you know nobody can stand up and say yes we're giving three hundred thousand pounds to these people to investigate more about paedophilia right that because it would create such huge social um uh, uh division i guess and also attack that mm. it's very difficult to encourage people to want to fund something like that um there's a wonderful book it wasn't going to be my um uh, it wasn't going to be my book of the month this month. That's upstairs as well. Um, it, it's called We Are Our Brain. Um, okay. And it's by Professor Dick, uh, somebody or other, I forget. But we are, there, there, are, there are a couple of books called We Are Our Brain. Uh, but if you go on Amazon, We Are Our Brain, uh, Professor Dick, somebody or other. And I forget who that, I think his surname begins with an S, but um, I'll pop it in the show notes. But that does bring us sort of swiftly on to Book of the Month. Are you happy to do Book of the Month? Yeah, it's Dick Swab. That's it, Swab. Swab. That's it, S-W-A-A-B. Check you out. Yes. Ordered. A <laughs> Blackberry you just flashed. <laughs> it's, my, it's my bold BB, as Tiny Temper raps about, which he's probably quite embarrassed about. I don't know what that song. is. Uh, Literally, bold, I know nothing about green. what you just said. Tiny temper, one <laughs> BB. Like I'm like so uncool. It is untrue. <laughs> no, it was definitely a Android. Oh. No buttons phone. Oh, okay, fine. It looked like it when you but, moved it across. It obviously had the keyboard on it. And it looked just like a battery, uh, a BlackBerry. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> yes, it's how I do my murder. She wrote in 2021 I, on my little pop out <laughs> keyboard. I did you get that reference did you i i had a nokia communicator you know that was like a literally like the size of a house brick and half of it folded up and was a screen and the rest was a qwerty keyboard i 
don't get me started. I had all the fun Nokias <laughs> at the turn of the century. I had that one. I had the one with the QWERTY keyboard with the square um, screen in the middle. I didn't like that. I... Oh, fair enough. Um, yeah. I had another one which was like a shaped like a croissant and it had the square in the middle and it had yeah. keyboard on one side and numbers on the other. It was amazing. That, and like that was the first with MP3s and music on and that was like going on LimeWire and yeah. downloading a song that then put a virus on your family's computer for six days. Yeah. Like, oh, but it was worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I got it for stop. free. Um, yeah, exactly. I went... Uh... I went on my friend's BlackBerry because I wanted, I just couldn't understand the idea of BlackBerry. And I tried, uh, I had a little go on her <laughs> Pearl thing, you know, but I I wasn't very good at it. Um, but <laughs> Are the rights available to that story? A metaphor there, I suppose. Um, right. Anyway, so, Matt, <laughs> I've, I've got my book of the month, uh, but right. uh, quick flash story of my life uh but i'm gonna hand over to you because i've been doing a lot of talking so uh i want your book of the month first okay book of the month book of the month as i said before we started recording you don't have to do that (laughs) (laughs) it's giving the people what they want okay my book of the month is by james clear and it's called atomic habits um Socrates said, oh, I know, I should have (laughs) edit this so I look really slick and smart. Um, Apparently. Yes. Um, Oh, God. Hold on. Can I actually Google the quote? I'm going to. Because it it makes, it explains it all. I think, Uh, I mean, particularly if you're just about to make it up, then I think Googling it probably is the better thing to do. Because there we oh it was Aristotle same same <laughs> but different they were buddies though I'm sure they shared a lot of the same information and thoughts yes so this is relevant so the book is all about how we build habits and loads of amazing well understanding how they work and I'll come on to that in a second but the quote from Aristotle was is still is we are what we repeatedly do excellence then is not an act but a habit. Very good. Beautiful. I'm glad you Googled that because I sort of sense, having got to know you quite well, that you probably would have fluffed that up. So that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. So habits just make life easier. And we we have them without even knowing that we bothered to create them, like brushing your teeth, like getting up in the morning, like uh, eating anything, drinking water, going for a walk, anything, anything you want is a habit. Uh, And here's the funny thing. Things like being late, is a habit, which people wouldn't always see, but it absolutely is something you do regularly that is ingrained in you. Doesn't mean you can't change it, but it's a habit. Sure. Obviously, smoking is a habit, and people have chosen to start that. But being late, also anything like that, is a habit. So, but this book is so wonderful because of how it breaks down the psychology and the understanding of what a habit is, and then piece by piece, it's one of the most practical. Because I know last week, last month, I talked about uh, you're a badass, and which is less practical in terms of personal development. It's a bit more woo woo, but I love it. But this is so practical um, in terms of starting and building habits, and also using that to stop bad habits that you want to get out of as well. And it's brilliantly written. Um, I listened to the audio version as well, and it's written and it's read by the author James Clear, and he's got a brilliant website, and it just. If you do one thing this month, <laughs> use that to develop your habits because life just flows the more habituated the things we want are. He's right. 
<laughs> Thanks. So we're yeah. not going to do my book of the month because um, I'll be really honest. You did email me and say, I'm going to use this book of the month. And I was like, oh, OK. And I didn't click the link. I was like, that's cool. It's, it's not the same. It's not the same, but it is called The Power of Habit. Stop it. <laughs> By a different author, Charles Duhigg. Uh, why we do what we do and how to change. Uh, but it's, ah. um, it has, I, I always judge the success of a book by how many ears, uh, how many ears, <laughs> by how many ears the author has. Um, I've got that one there by Van Gogh. It's not as good. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> by how many pages I've dog-eared. And uh, this one oh. is really well referenced. There are so many dog-eared pages there. But um, but let's not confuse things. I'll come back to this another day. So we'll use your okay. book as the as the habit one. And my book of the month will be We Are Our Brain uh, by Dick Swab, um, because uh, I think it offers right from literally right from uh, birth and in vitro all the way through our lives. It helps you better understand why biologically we do and think the things that we do because of how our brain has developed and the things that happened uh, in our womb not in our womb, in uh, when we were in a womb, um, or indeed not in a womb. So yep. I think there's a very interesting, uh, I think everybody will find it really insightful. Uh, and if you've struggled with something about, I don't know, you or your personality, or even if you haven't struggled, I think there would be a very interesting insight into, oh, I wonder if that's, uh, you know, because of the way that my brain is wired or things, certain things that happen to our brain because of environmental factors or biological factors as well. Um, amazing pretty amazing stuff yeah Matt Boyles I've really enjoyed this month oh thanks me too can I just also is this you know last month we because it sort of sounds (laughs) disgruntled of Tunbridge Wells can I just (laughs) (laughs) can we change the billing so my name comes first (laughs) yes I'm not precious about that why don't we really mess it up and make it completely uh, even and and we'll just do it by Matt Rose and Jez Boyles. <laughs> Perfect. That wasn't even what I wanted to, but now I've got my way. <laughs> um, last month we talked about the duality of what it is to be a human, and I love that we can be, and I mean the royal we to mean the whole world, not just you and me. Uh, it can be super highbrow and super learny and push ourselves and challenge ourselves and have these deep amazing debates and then also i'm sorry i have to get this out of my head the author of the book you mentioned is dick swab yes <laughs> have you got it out of your system now no i'm just thinking about swabbing <laughs> uh-huh yeah <laughs> it's gonna stay with me all day oh, i'm sorry about that yeah I think I, I suspect that's why he added an extra A. I suspect his surname probably swap. Swap. <laughs> Um But then I once in uh, A&E, when I was doing some training in A&E in uh, hospital, uh, I, ha- I worked with a consultant called Dr. Death. Um, <laughs> oh, did he put an apostrophe between the E and A? Yes, and pronounced Diath. Yeah. Yes. I've heard of that before, yeah. but I never of a doctor. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Uh, Antonio, I think his, his Christian name was. Diaf. Yeah. Yeah. Wowzers. Yeah, cool, right? I mean, you uh, see that on your notes and you're like, oh, well. <laughs> Tell the kids nice I love you. them. <laughs> 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 Any questions? That... <laughs> well, I did, doctor. I was going to ask what the sort of success rate was, but just having a little look at your name badge, I think probably I'm not. <laughs> 
that I only know I don't, I've never met a DF, but I remember my one of my grandmothers telling me about she knew a DF, and then that was also connected to other family friends who we were all talking about people's names. This is also about being human and like, oh, I don't want to be known as Doctor Death, so I'm going to be called Doctor DF, <laughs> and their surname was Sidebottom. Oh. But they pronounced it Sidbottom. No, they didn't. <laughs> they sort of squashed <laughs> the vowels. <laughs> That's like when I, I pronounce, uh, like when there's birds outside, I just think it's funny because it sounds a bit sort of posh that you do bird spotting. So I say, oh, look, there's a chaffinch. Um, <laughs> I like the idea of changing words around so they sound a bit different. Yeah. Lovely. Um. So listen, this has been nice. I think uh, the takeaways for today are that you can join us uh, on social media at that jazz. Ro- <laughs> no, let's do that again. Uh, you can join us on social media at that jazz rose or um, at fitter you global. Ten points. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you'll probably want to do fitter you global first because there's a bit more going on there and he's got more followers. Um, but oh, it's not about followers. No, it's not. Yeah. I don't really understand it. I'll be honest. Uh, and I had that weird thing where it sort of fluctuates between 2,704 to 2,693 or something. And there's that kind of weird. And I'm like, why did the same amount of people keep unsubscribing or whatever they do? So I just sort of stopped looking at it. because I was like, that's weird. My math brain. <laughs> it's, just, it's just me messing with you. You would set up six or nine social media accounts. <laughs> um, follow, follow. To catfish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Anyway, I, I've really enjoyed this exploration today. If it has left you with some questions or some interesting things that you'd like to explore more, I think we'd love to hear from you on social media. Would be not Matt. Oh, very much so. I live for it. And we still... God, that sounded sarcastic, <laughs> but I do love genuinely hearing from people, Sounds so sarcastic. please do. Um, we do... <laughs> Can I just apologise for my co-host? Uh, we do genuinely want to hear Human of the Month, don't we? Yes. I think that's a lovely the thing. Word... <laughs> There weren't any. No. no one did anything good in the last four weeks. So that's why there's not one on this podcast. But the idea being that you can nominate or name check them on this podcast just to sort of start mm. bringing a little bit of love and a little bit of loveliness about to nominate people who, another human being who've just done something really nice. And it could be that they said something to you uh, that was particularly nice, that they wrote a little note to you that made you feel good, that they, you know, you found out they've been doing some volunteering or something, or uh, or they're just lovely. Maybe it's, you know, there's somebody that's always there for you, could be a best friend or something. I think it's really nice to share the idea that there are good people that do good things all around us. And that's nice inspiration for all of us to be better human beings. Beautifully put. Have a lovely month, if I don't speak to you before. <laughs> I mean, we probably will, but you too. Get out of jail for you, God. Thanks, Jez. What a lovely chat that was. It was, wasn't it? World put to right. Say goodbye, Matt. Goodbye, Matt. <laughs> See you next month, everybody. Bye-bye.